Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Howdy. And this week, we are talking about the 1982 fantasy adventure film, Tron, or if you prefer, Disney's Tron. Yes. Now, we saw this in the theater when it came out. Yes, we did. And I don't know if you remember it this way, but I remember you being really into the movie because you would have been about six or seven at the time, right? Which would have been the which would have been the age I was when I first saw saw Star Wars. So in many ways, this is kind of your Star Wars. Uh, I would say that's accurate. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, it is and it isn't. Like as much as I like this movie, and I've seen it, I don't know, so many times. for some reason, I don't have it on Blu-ray. It's, it's one of those ones where, like, I, I bought it, like, I had it on VHS, and then I bought it again on DVD, like, whatever the whatever the special Disney, probably 25th anniversary collection was. Uh, or maybe 20th anniversary, actually, because it's DVD. Um, and then, you know, I, I watch it, like, when it's available. I think I saw it on, like, Disney Plus later, so I never had it, I never bothered to, like, update it or whatever. But, um, it's a real, it's, it's a movie that I still thoroughly enjoy, but I don't know if I hold it in the same like star wars level of uh, reverence um i would definitely tell you that at the time i probably would have told you that it, it might i might have told you it was my favorite movie i probably would have told you i enjoyed it more than star wars or i quote unquote thought it was better than star wars for sure i could yeah. definitely see myself because i i was obsessed with electronics at an early age and, and i can't remember for sure if we had had our um atari by then but i was certainly aware of video games so this was like like I, I've, I've said for a couple of movies so far um especially runaway um to an extent cloak and dagger and also this one like there are certain movies where it almost feels like they were just made for me you know i, I imagine people get that movie ever so often but um this one just couldn't have hit at a better time for me i imagine there's people who feel that way about star wars but this one this one for me like electronics um you know home electronics was still emerging you know this is like you know maybe you had an apple II or a commodore or something um so it was still something a lot we're learning about and that was part of the reason they made this movie um or the, one of the driving factors behind the movie was just to you know hey electronics are a thing and let's you know let's let's play with that idea and yeah, it definitely, we definitely we definitely would have had the Atari 2600 at the time. I was pretty sure and, we did. You know, home video games was was a huge thing. It was the next leap in in home entertainment. I mean, it's my it's it's my primary hobby, vice, whatever. To this day, it's largely the reason why I'm even. It's largely the reason why I have a career. And this movie absolutely has a part in that, or at least you know, st- helping to stoke and then maintain my interest. It was already there, but this movie again, it's sort of like being like kind of into sci-fi and then Star Wars happens. Or maybe you see Star Trek for the first time or whatever it happens to be. Yes. And we should point out we recently just watched it on Disney Plus. Yep. And it looks incredible. It does. It looks fantastic. Yeah. It is it is amazing transfer on Disney Plus. It is just visually stunning. Um I'm looking at like the DVD that I have now and the DVD honestly looks great. Um, it doesn't have quite the pop that a Blu-ray has. And, you know, it's a little bit fuzzier, but it's an excellent DVD. Um, and in some ways and in some scenes, it actually kind of helps the movie out a little bit, but that's neither here nor there. Now for those unaware, you know, Tron is about uh, a man named Flynn who created video games and and computer programs for a company called Encom 
the boss of the company, uh, Dylan, stole his programs or basically claimed credit for his programs forced and forced him out. And Flynn is trying to hack into the system to get the evidence that he created the program. Now, because there were also the the NCOM was also building a laser that would digitize a physical object and turn it into a computer program for reasons known only to the screenwriters. He is shot by that laser and turned into a program and then goes on an adventure inside the pro as a program inside a computer world. This movie definitely now, could have helped itself with some exposition. Well, yeah. I, this was 1982. Yeah. So computers were still like, this is even before war games. Computers were still like this magic thing that most people didn't really understand. Right. Right. And I mean, the, I, the, the writers of the movie did, or at least the people behind it did. I can say right out when I first saw this movie as a kid, I didn't fully understand what was going on. I got oh, I the sure basic, yeah. I got the basic concept of good versus evil in this in this fantasy world, um, and and it's pretty easy too because the blue people are good and people are bad, right? And I, I mean, for for a while too, I thought he was literally not so much digitized into a computer program, but shrunk down to a microscopic level. And was inside like the physical computer as a microscopic person in a microscopic landscape. I, I mean, well, because some of the imagery that they give you, I, I could totally understand that. That's probably what I thought at the age of five or six or seven when I saw this. Um, so I, I could, I, yeah, no, I, I, there's no way I'm going to get on you for that. Like, it's, I think that's an entirely reasonable thought process, um, especially because you're looking like, you know, so much of the imagery involves like, you know, circuit traces and circuit boards. So it definitely evokes that because like a program isn't going to see a circuit. That's not quite how it works. So there's a lot of like really loose, you know, metaphors with the movie, which is fine. Like it's visually great. And I'll be honest with you, probably the first, certainly the first time I saw this movie, I don't think I understood a word of it, No, Um, but it's a very pretty movie to see in the screen when you're six. But again, because of the way the movie is made and the way the story is told, you don't really have to understand the how the concepts because it is just the basic, you know, power of myth, good guys versus bad guys. Right. You know, Flynn is brought into this world where the computer program Tron, who is our who's basically the the I mean, Flynn's the hero, but Tron is almost like the superhero. He's the one right. that's on the quest to defeat the master program that is assimilating all the other programs. Right. I mean, again, I, I, you don't need to really understand the full just to know that, like, this is a story of good guys versus bad guys in a fantastic fantasy world. You're right that you don't, but I guess what I'm saying is... Um... If you if you look at some of the criticism of when it came out, like I can I can understand where they're coming from. I can well, understand this, where they're coming from, especially back then. This movie came out as at an interesting time for Disney because they were, believe it or not, they were there was a time where Disney was struggling. Yeah, you were telling me about this. I didn't they, know. It was the early eighties, and you know they weren't having major hits with live action films. In fact. 
just a year before the black hole was a bust and they spent a ton of money on that and their animation department was struggling to the point where they were thinking of closing down their anim- can you imagine disney with no animation right it, it, it's hard to wrap your head around but i guess at the time all the guys all the animators that had been there since the beginning had you know gotten older and were ready to retire the new guy appreciated and and felt they were clashing with the studio heads so Don Bluth led a exodus and created his own company. Right. And and it wouldn't be until like the late 80s with I think it was The Little Mermaid was which started to put Disney back on the map of, you know, dominant, at least of the, you know, family entertainment and animation. Wow. See, I guess I didn't really know all that because I'll be honest, with, I, I was never much of a Disney fan. I never specifically avoided movie, avoided their movies. I just never really tended to watch them. Like I was never, um, never super interested in their animation. Like I'll, I'll watch them now, I guess. But like I just never really gravitated much towards towards Disney. Like for my cartoons, I always went to, uh, you know, Looney Tunes or Hanna Barbera, um, for that matter, or things like you know GI Joe or you know, Transformers and stuff like that. And for movies, it was just I don't know whatever movie I thought looked cool and. Like Disney, I always like associated with like Wonderful World of Disney and a lot of those movies I didn't necessarily care about. But every so often there was one, you know, that I would watch and that was about it. So, I mean, I, you know, looking back, I can kind of see like, yeah, wow, I guess they're not, you know, I, I can certainly understand why they weren't the, you know, it didn't appear to be the monolith that they are, that they are now because uh, I barely thought about them then. I struggle to think of what Disney animated movies came out in like the early 80s. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, really, again, it's one of those things where Star Wars so changed the face of movies, especially when it came to family entertainment. Because too often, I think, when people say, well, it's a family film, you mean it's for kids. Right. Exactly. Well, yes, yes, but it's a family film. You can bring the family, yes, but only the kids will be entertained. Right. And then, you know, you got started getting movies like Star Wars and, and, and stuff like that, where the entire family can go and be entertained by the movie. Right. So, you know, and, and this movie wasn't, it was successful. But not in, hugely. No, it wasn't a huge success, but it made over its money back. And it also did good and did well with licensing and merchandise. There was a toy line. Uh, we didn't have any of the toys because right. you know we were already into Star Wars and GI Joe figures at that point. So I was why say GI Joe by then? Sure. Why buy you know even more new figures? And other really again other than like the light cycle sequence and as we discussed the movie more, there really wasn't much to get into with the figures. You know when it came to that type of of play. No. No, it, not not really. Like the 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 um the the wisely done uh, video games that they ended up releasing do a much better job of engaging you with that. Like uh, yes. Deadly Discs is still an amazing game. Light Cycle, I mean, you know, just look up like Snake or whatever. It's basically that, or Snafu, or there's like a thousand names of it, but it's essentially that. Um, but Deadly Discs is a great game if you can find it. Yeah, and this movie again, it is you know even though it's about computers, it isn't. It really was more inspired by the video game phenomena that was going on 
especially right. in the the early 80s right they were the first ones to look at you know video again it's not like video games had been around for a very long while but they were the first ones to look at the video games and say hey we should bring this to movies so as we said this is um the movie star is jeff bridges as flynn yep uh david warner is dillinger the the you know evil head of the encom he's my uh, wit missile winner and then we've got um, Bruce Boxleitner and Cindy Morgan as the two people who are still working for Encom, but are friends with Flynn and are going to basically help him get the evidence. And for the most part, that's it. We don't have a big cast in this movie. There are people, but they really kind of just fill out the background. Right. You know, but you, well, you forgot uh, Bernard Hughes, unless, you, unless that's well, who you were just about to get to. Barnard Hughes and who plays Ram? Oh, wow. I completely don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Those are really the only other two secondary supporting characters. Like I said, there's other people, but they're just everybody else is basically an extra in this movie. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, Like uh, Barnard Hughes is in it a bit. Um, But yeah, you're right. Everybody else is just kind of there. Yeah. And and Barnard Hughes, as as I was watching, I realized it's Grandpa from yes. Lost Boys. Yeah, you know, uh, as a fan of both movies, but at wildly different times, um, I, you're right. Like I, I I never noticed that, but you, as you said, you recognize the voice, and as soon as you said Grandpa, and I heard the voice, like, yeah, that's him for sure. I'm not sure the last time I watched one, other than the other night when when we gave it another watch i don't remember the last time i've seen tron but it had to have been since i've seen lost boys so i don't know why that just kind of got past me but i watch it it's a movie i probably watch it once every couple years it's an it's in reasonable enough rotation and just about every character in this movie has a dual role oh sure because you know bruce boxleitner is also tron the computer right. program and Cindy Morgan is also Yuri, the you know her computer program. So and, and and Flynn is both you know himself as Flynn digitized into the computer and an earlier character called Clue that a program that he had created to to hack the system. Right to try to get his um, to try to get proof of the plagiarism and all that. Yes. So. It's again. It's 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 a very interesting movie, both visually. Um, not and, and again, watching it, I'm amazed that it also helped hold my attention because the front part of the movie is very front loaded with a lot of talk, right? And even when it gets into when he's pulled into the computer world, there isn't a whole lot of action per se. But really, the visuals can help hold your attention. Well, right. No, it takes it takes quite a while to get going um, for, you know, any for any, any of like the really cool part. Like, I think, well, there's all right. That's not really true. But you're right. I mean, they dive into the um, cyber world, world of Tron or whatever you want to call it um, back and forth. And you're right. It always it, it, it picks you back up every time. And every time they come back out of it, it's like, no, 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 go back to that because that's the cool part. And then you do finally get the rest of the movie. Um, you know, pay off in most of that world. And it, yeah, visually it just really stays with you. 
Um, and, and again, that's that's pretty much what it was at first. It was mostly the the visuals and just the idea of, wow, this is about video games. So like I was already sold. But I, again, I, I couldn't tell you I followed a word of it. It, pro I, it probably took a couple of watches before I really fully like really grasped what they were trying to actually say like the basics of it you're right like you know red bad blue good like that was all obviously you know you're at six i could i could pick up on all that but um you know for the nuance that is there that took me a while to to really kind of figure out um because like the way the master control program is doing what it's doing you know the the engineer in my head tries to make sense of it and they never really explain it it's just like all right he's forcing them to play games like in gladiatorial combat you know presumably to find some sort of worth in them to you know gain more power it, they never try to explain exactly how it's supposed to do that and i think that's what some may have had a problem with i can well, kind of understand but at the same time it's like yeah but it's a cool movie is it what do you want you know <laughs> throw more discs and <laughs> The master program is an artificial intelligence and it basically grows its power by taking control of other programs. Right. And assimilating them. And, you know, the more it controls, you know, inside the computer world, the more it can, you know, gain power in the outside world. And that keeps Dillinger, the, the bad CEO of the company, in charge. Well, like, the point of the games is unclear. Like, you can yes. draw your own conclusions. And I have, like, several theories on why the games matter. But it's just, like, they're just there. And, and I think it's just to make kind of a cool movie with these cool visuals no, that, I have. And I'm totally fine with that, by the way. That's their excuse <laughs> for the action sequences. And really, yeah. our first action sequence in the movie is when Flint is trying to hack the, the system with his clue program. And we get a visualization of Clue in this little computer tank right. moving through the the network. I think that's another chased... game that Flynn made. Uh, the, yeah, and he's tanks. chased by those those alien ship spaceship drone things, whatever you. I think they're called space paranoids. Uh, that's the name of the game. I don't remember. I could have sworn he called them. They called them like a demon or something. Like, I think Space Paranoids is the name of the game. I think those things are demons. I'm not sure. Or, like, um, didn't he call it, like, a regulator? I can't remember exactly now. But regardless, they're these basically sentry airships that, you know, patrol the network, I guess, is what we'll call the computer world. And so there's a bit of an action sequence when he's chased by those and he's you know, shoots a couple down and then he eventually he's captured and unfortunately assimilated into the system. And that's a that's a really cool sequence in the way that it starts. Um, and so the movie does, you know, it does grab it like since it takes a while to get back to it, it does it does grab you with that right away. And what's interesting, too, is Jeff Bridges plays the character of Clue different. Right. He It's actually it's almost it's very robotic. Yes. Yeah. Very much more of a computer program. So, like we said, he basically he realizes at some point he has to get into NCOM and hack the system from within. Yes. And that's when Bruce Boxleitner and Cindy Morgan, who are his friends, you know, basically team up with him and, you know, offer to get him in to, to get to... to you know, get the evidence he needs against Dillinger. Right. 
And as we said earlier, there's this strange project going on that Cindy Morgan and Barnard Hughes's character are working on this laser that, you know, it, the setup is they, they put this orange down and, you know, Cindy Morgan's character literally, literally says, here goes nothing. And Barnard Hughes steps in and goes, well, you know, technically what you should have said is here goes something, here comes nothing, because what we're going to do is we're going to shoot the Sarge with the laser and break it down into a computer program so that it's inside the computer. I don't know what possible use this could have other than, no, no, we were kind of... We discussed it before, yeah. Yeah, you know, the possibility of, like, maybe you can, you know, send an orange through cyberspace. And, like, print it on the other end somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Or, like, save, like, you could save, like, in theory, right, if you look at things, like, in terms of, like, the singularity, in terms of the singularity, which they basically prove in this movie uh, with Flynn, um, is that, like, you could, like, save a person. Right. Like yes. Apparently you get taken by a master control program and forced to play games or that could happen anyway. But like, I, I wonder if that's what their game is, because um, like a company as big as Encom apparently is largely based on, you know, being games at first. But whatever. It's how you make money. Right. Especially in the early 80s. It's a good choice. Uh, although it's funny, this movie came out in like July 82, the video game uh, crash uh, of the 80s would happen just like, I don't know, six, eight months later or something. Which probably didn't help this movie much either. But. Probably not, but it was wise for Encom to diversify into, I don't even know what you would call that. I don't know if it's a military thing or what, but they'd be wise to diversify. At least they got into that before, um, before you know, at least they got the movie up before that. Yeah. But again, as we see through the I mean, movie, we, we meet different programs that are, you know, different things. Look at all the different stuff the Umbrella Corporation is into. Right, Encom can dip their toe into like mystery laser. Well, yeah, exactly. So when he gets actually in there, the the master control activates the laser and shoots him, and he ends up being digitized and turned into a program, and is pulled into the computer world. So I, I, for whatever reason, that scene really sticks out to me. The, the specifically the panic and the master control program's voice. Which you can't technically, or at least Flynn is not really hearing. I just really like the way that's done for whatever reason. That little bit always sticks with me. Well, and, and again, it's the, the world within the computers is kind of fully realized because the programs are represented as li- living people who think of their users as gods. Right, which they're and creators, they, so I guess, you know. Uh, well, and that's the thing. There's there's almost like a religious myth within the computer program is like, you know, oh, you religious fanatics, there's no users out there. There's only this world we live in. Yeah, I kind of liked, I mean, it was a, it was an interesting thing to shoehorn in, but I kind of, you know, I thought it was kind of fun. So he's in there. That's where he meets Tron and Ram, two other programs. And Tron is the computer program created by Bruce Boxleitner's character. So Bruce Brock Boxleitner is playing Tron as well. And Tron's program was to figure out what was going on within the system. Basically, um, 
It's like a security program. It's like yes. a, it's a security watchdog. It even watches the um, master control. The, the master it just, control. It just kind of lurks in the background and, and gathers data. Yeah. So as we see, and, and again, it, what why master control puts these programs through the games today, so it's, it's gladiatorial combat. It's, it's basically bit comparing, you know, the, the computer programs that believe in these users as Christians put through gladiatorial combat to the death. Pretty much, yeah. And, like, again, I could go into my theories as to what the point of those games are. Um, and I have a few of them, but, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just put everyone to sleep but like i could i could think of several different reasons it but aside from it just being you know a cool thing to do for a movie and sell video games yeah the first game flynn gets put into after he's captured by the you know sentries which are cool i i really like the look of the oh yeah they got the staff guys yes yeah they remind me of um they kind of remind me of the uh imperial guard in um jedi which are like my one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Yeah, they're, they're basically these faceless, almost Reaper-esque style, you know, warriors. Yeah, they're really cool. And game Flynn is highlighting type of situation where you're basically breaking down the platform of your, your other combatant until they fall to their death. So it's gravity, a really neat game. Yeah. Gravity exists within the world of computer programming. I mean, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, the concept of life and death does. Well, again, I mean, if your program is a race. De-resing. Yeah, they call it de-resing, but... You know, well, they also re- they also reference death like uh, at one point, like a character dying, even though, again, technically de-resed, or I guess the ghost. Uh, it's an interesting sequence, but I, I would say the real set piece of the movie, and as far as the most memorable sequence, is the light cycle battle. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And in this one, it's, you know, uh, all three of our, you know, main protagonists, Flynn, Ram, and Tron, are put into these really neat looking. The, the, the light cycles are really neat design. And I oh, remember yeah. when the toys were produced, you know, they, they were really kind of a cool nifty little thing and they even had these pull cord rev things so that they would shoot across the floors when you played with them i am almost certain i had a light cycle i kind of remember it too but again i kind of don't i'm almost certain i had a light cycle might have even had one of those paranoids too but i am almost certain i had a light cycle just saying but they basically, you know, they're put into the game to play Snake, Snafu. As you said, there's like a yeah. dozen different names for the type of game where you basically, you're leaving a, a, a trail behind you to, and you're trying to take up as much space and crash the opponents into. Right. You can only into, make 90 degree angles. You have to avoid your own tail as well as the tail of the other one. Yeah. Yes. And keep going and hope you don't run out of room. You you want your bag, the, the enemy, to run out of room before you do. Right. And during this sequence, they somehow crash through a wall and escape. Memory leak, the- baby. 
they 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 escaped the game grid. And... They they hacked it. They they found a exploit. Well, the system crashed. I guess. Yeah. Left, well, I mean, left, you know, left the memory leak. The wall. Um, I'm not sure. Again, it, it's a, a part of it too. Is Flynn is a real person, and because he's an actual computer programmer and not a program himself, he's almost got power. He's got, not almost, he has powers within this world, even though he doesn't fully understand them and doesn't realize he has them until as as the movie goes on. That's really, I mean, within the logic of the movie, that explains how he's able to bash a hole into the game grid and escape with Tron and Ram. Right. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a he's a user, you know, uh, programs follow the user, not the other way around. Remember that computer overlords. Basically, from what we have here is a chase as they try to escape the pursuit of master control and his minions and for Tron to get to a tower so that he can make contact with his user, have a program, it would be uploaded to him? Yeah, well, I, I guess downloaded to To him. his disc, because yeah. they, this is one of the things, they carry around these Frisbee-like discs on their back, and he can then use that to take down the master control. Right. It's like uh, I guess the disc can uh, the the disc can contain the program the virus the whatever. Like I said, the the, the metaphor is, is really hard to track, <laughs> which like which tells me I don't know if they really kind of bothered with and, it, which again is fine. But if yeah. it, it just confuses a different audience in this case, which is yes. why I'm saying like I can I can understand like I can understand the initial hesitation like if you're not just going with it because it's a cool movie because you're six, and it's just really fun looking like I I can understand you know, getting having it great on you in other ways, depending on who you are. But again, it, it's all it's all so well done that you're at least caught up in, in the adventure of it itself. Oh, sure. I mean, Jeff Bridges is great. <laughs> he's so much fun to watch in this movie. I mean, like, he's, we, we've got... I mean, alone, light, you know. These light cycles being chased by tanks and, you know, these these airships that you know, look like they came out of one of those things in Space Invaders that's moving down the screen after you. Oh, totally. That's, yeah, that's straight out of Space Invaders. Um, that's the vibe I get every single time. This was, I believe, the first movie to make such extensive use of computer animation. Um, I don't know if it was, uh, it, it was certainly one of the first, if not the first, yeah. I mean, I, I know the computer animation was used prior. Yeah. But to the extent that it's used here, I believe this was was the first. Which is, mind you, all of like I think three minutes of film. But for 1982, that's really impressive. And also, like they couldn't, um, like the computer animation is done, but the actors are like up against a screen of it. Like they couldn't do. It's not like now where you can kind of like render things live. It had to be done on a computer. You know, wait a while, then like project it onto a screen, so then the actors could interact with it. 
Yes. And like I said, we, we get sequences with, you know, chases. Uh, there's an amusing sequence when Flynn has to pull one of those crashed airships together and he tries to fly it. And there's this little bit thing that just comes and goes as it wants, I guess, to, to give a little comic relief at one point. Bit's cute. I like, I like Bit. Um, but it's there, yeah, R2-D2 or whatever, for sure. Right. There's a sequence towards the end where, you know, our three heroes, Tron, because Ram basically derezzes after a, after an injury. Uh, at, at various points, Tron thinks Flynn is dead and Flynn thinks Tron is dead. You know, they're, they're making their way to the, I don't know, main, con- the motherboard. Well, yeah. Uh, well, the the master control program, basically the operating system kernel, I guess. Um, yeah. But they make a stop at that like magic lake that they make a point of showing out, um, showing up at, and like having like a scene so they can regenerate. And however that lake is supposed to work again, I have like a bunch of theories on it. But I'm guessing it's just system resources. Well, I mean, they like... spend so much time at that lake and its importance of like you know, oh, now we're now we're good again. Okay, fine. I, like, I don't fully understand this. It's almost like a sailing ship through the sky that they make their final journey towards. Oh, the solar, like, beam runner thing. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is also called, like, a solar runner or something, which, again, it's inside of a computer. I don't know. I don't know. It all looks great. It does, yeah. It looks amazing. It's it's very entertaining, but, you, you know, like, again, trying to wrap your head around it is, you know, and I, I know very little about computers anyway. So it's easy enough for me to just say, yeah, all right. Right. Yeah, right. And like, like, I, like I told you when we were when we were watching it together, um, I was joking with you, like, you know, I was just man, I'm going to like n- n- Neil deGrasse Tyson this movie and like, well, actually the hell out of it. Like the truth is, obviously, that's just stupid. I'm not going to. And it's not, I don't have a degree or anything. So, you know, it's it's to my best understanding anyway. Um, but obviously like a, a lot of this movie was cool for the sake of being cool. And I'm fine with that, given that the inspiration were, was video games, which is essentially that. Well, yeah. And as we said, D- David Warner is also, you know, the dual role of Sark. Actually, basically... he's a triple role because he's the master control program as well. Right. But he's only the voice of the, the, the master control Nonetheless, are you program. are you besmirching voice actors? Is that well, what you're doing master, right now? In context, the master control program is either you could say the emperor or the dark side of the force. And yeah, he's like Snoke, I guess. Now, uh, Sark is basically Darth Vader. Sure. Yep. Yeah, that tracks. And towards the end of the movie, when you know Tron is going face-to-face against Sark and he, you know, basically splits the top of Sark's head over yeah. his his, uh, his disc. Like, I mean, I can't really call it gory because it's, I don't know, data, but it's, wow. <laughs> like, he does. He just, like, whacks his head and, like, little stuff falls out. It's kind of gross. But I guess. Then the I think it's control, gross. I'm not sure. The master control gives Sark some of his power so that Sark now grows into a giant. I mean, it's a cool scene. It is a cool scene, but again, trying to like, 
All right. What is the context of this in the, but again, you just have to accept it and enjoy it and be along for the ride. Right. Right. Like in my, in my, I don't even know how many times I've rewatched this and you'd think I would know more about this movie. Like remember actors names and remember details. No, that's, that's not me. You're, you're thinking of probably Matt. That's, that's definitely not me. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to try to figure out like what these metaphors should mean, even though I don't know if, I'm willing to bet at least half of them, if not more, aren't really meant to mean anything. Like some of it kind of works. Like uh, you know, Barnard Hughes in the in the computer world is a is an I/O tower, which makes sense. Like he's the one that they need to use to communicate to the user, which is exactly yeah, that that totally tracks in input output. Sure. Um, and then the rest of it is just like again, it's just kind of there. Um, but it's still like I don't know. One of the charms for me to rewatch this movie is to try to make some sense of it where they didn't try to. Right. And I'm, I'm pretty, fairly certain, again, they probably just like, we need an adventure story. Let's write the adventure story and we'll adapt it as we can into oh. the whole, you know, computer world. Oh, no, I think that's exactly right. At least in terms of like my understanding is the inspiration was more or less just the existence of video games. Right. So if you're just starting yeah. from that, it's more or less cool for the sake of being cool. Right. Entertainment to grab you to do whatever. So, yeah. Sure. Well, they, they had to have known it was what the kids were into, but yeah. you know, again, the the production time. I mean, this movie was years in production. You yeah. know, this. I mean, it takes even today. It takes a long time to get a movie from start to finish. But back then, with all the computer, you know, animation they used, this must have taken forever. Oh yeah, no, I I, I can't even with Disney's yeah. Even with Disney's backing, it must have taken a while. So, you know, Tron defeats the Master Control. Flynn is de-digitized and returned to the real world in his own body. And he gets the evidence he needs to, you know... Again, apparently, you know, it's a, it is a Disney movie. So within the next scene, suddenly he's in charge of the company. Yeah, you know, landing yeah. in the like, yeah, okay. Apparently, this this didn't require any courtroom proceedings. Some some time passed, but it gives the implication that it's literally like an hour later. It's like, oops, I guess you're the owner now. <laughs> you know. But in all in all, it's it's an extremely fun movie. Yeah, but this movie, like I said, it didn't. It didn't do blockbuster, which Disney really needed it to do. No, because I mean, you know, like if if you want to be really cynical, uh, maybe cynical is not the right word, but like if you want to be really like film critically critic e even about almost any sci-fi movie or horror or anything like that, like you you could rip it apart. Uh, this movie definitely has more flaws than 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 any of those. Um, so I, so I, well, I I guess I can understand that, but its so place in movie history can't be denied, and I think it's found it. Siskel and Ebert both gave it thumbs up. Yeah. And they were the powerhouse movie critics at the time. Polarizing, I guess you could say this movie might be. I don't know. Well, again, I think it was just like, you know, even as kids, we understood we enjoyed the adventure of it. But unlike, you know, we played Star Wars. Sure. We played Indiana Jones. Sure. We played the Black Hole. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't recall us ever playing Tron. I mean, in my head, I certainly did. Um, but like, what also helped is that there were video games for Tron. Like, I could literally just play Tron. So, make, right. of that, make of that what you will, I guess. 
But, you know, especially as a kid, playing video games was a totally different type of play than, you know, going out in the backyard and creating our own adventures or picking up our action figures and other toys and playing with those. I'm all but certain I had a light cycle. It's possible. It's possible. I don't remember it, but, you know, I'm going to I remember my toys better than I remember the toys you had. Um, but I, I think one of the things is too, because this movie, it just kind of, it just kind of disappeared after, you know, it hit, you know, it was in theaters and then it hit HBO and then it was just gone. Well, yeah, again, I, um, I, I, I guess I don't really have a, I, I guess I don't really have a great answer for that, ex- except for the fact that, like, of all the movies that it's compared to, it's, I don't know if it's really as good as any of those, for lack of a better term. Um, but the visualization of it has just always stuck with me. So I think there's like a certain audience who has just always like kept it with them. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess it just didn't have the 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 the, the wider appeal that they had hoped for. Uh, maybe well, now well, it does, but but even like when they tried to bring it back and and well not bring it back and they tried to do like Tron Legacy, is that the movie's fault? That's not the best. It's okay, um, but like that it kind of fizzled again, you know. Well, I think there's two things that help bring it back into the public consciousness. One is the the people like you who were a kid when they first saw it, grew up and got into computers, and then were like. Oh, that's what Tron was was, and people kind of yeah, know, that's me. <laughs> now that I know, let me go back and watch Tron again. Oh, this is kind of cool because, like, in in the early two thousands, you know, and the movie, every movie has a cult following, no matter how to an bad extent, it does. Yeah. But in the early 2000s, and I also think The Matrix brought awareness back. I think some people were kind of like, yeah, isn't, you know, The Matrix kind of like, kind of like Tron in a way? I mean, it's not really other than it's people living a computer program. Right. I mean, yeah, they're very different movies, but it's the same, like, you know, the same basic world start, I guess, is, yeah, that's fair. And that, and all of a sudden, people were like into Tron again, and Disney were like, "Wow, look at all the the, the DVDs we're selling of of Tron. Maybe we should make a sequel." And they did. Unfortunately, the sequel didn't do gangbusters either. It didn't really revive because I think they really hoped they could hitch their wagon to Tron again and maybe turn it into a franchise, but. It, it did not end up happening. Yeah. But yeah, not not an amazing movie either, but I liked it. I, I actually myself I have never seen Tron Legacy, but it's on Disney Plus, so maybe I'll give it a look. Yeah. And I know for a while and again back all these movies like Star Wars and Black Hole, they all have those storybooks that, you know, storybook of the movie that had photos and, and for whatever and, uh, reason I vividly remember that black hole one yes um, I, oh god I remember leafing through that black hole one until it fell apart 
I, I think one of the reasons was because, and and uh, I guess we're talking about black hole, or at least briefly. One of my favorite things in black hole still is the um, the the flight deck, whatever the heck the room is that uh, Maximilian Shell spends most of his time in, like that big wide open deck with like the huge window and like the big glowing orbs in the background. They have like a huge, beautiful, I think two page like photo of that in the book. And yes. that thing was just amazing. That and the um, the scene with them running across the bridge as the the meteor comes towards them too, isn't there? The the bridge They're just stunning the, pictures. The bridge of the singness, basically. Yeah, that thing's I, I don't know. I just I love that one. I mean, you know, the thing is about the black hole is that there's more of a base connection to you know, especially kids, because it's even simpler than what's in Tron. Sure. You know, la- la- ra- laser gun battles between hero- heroic astronauts and evil robots. Right. Very simple. Whereas, again, Tron is so much more subjective. And and Tron is not, let's let's face it, Tron is not at all an action-packed movie. Nope. It's it's an adventure film. There's, there's, yes. it, the, the plot keeps moving forward, which is fun. But as far as, you know, action goes, there's not a whole lot. It's just, I mean, it's just as well that Disney did it. Like, it fits that, it, it's a good Disney movie fit. No, and again, visually, if... if it's got a little bit of everything. It, it's also very unique visually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, there's nothing, there's really nothing else like it. No. No, uh, except at least well, maybe animated stuff, but which I guess in a way this was, but you know what I mean, like cartoons, I suppose. But no, Uh, you know it, 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 um, because the world of the Matrix, for example, is modeled to look like our own, or at least a real place. Like this is trying to look like whatever electronics would see if they could see. I guess lots of. I mean, I don't think anything is curved everything's almost like you know everything's at right angles and very very um what's the word i'm looking for um old time graphically when you had um every everything's at right angles pretty much or or not right angles but Everything comes to a point. There are no rounded edges. That's what I'm right. trying to say. There are no rounded edges in this, you know, in in this in these sets. No, it's a very abstract, computerized world. Which, again, like to me, and very sterile looking. Very sterile looking, right? And to me, like visually, the the more I see it, like visually, the more it really does look like it's miniaturized people walking in, you know, in amongst like circuit boards and 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 transistor logic. So, like, I don't know that you're, I don't know even necessarily that you're wrong, but you're definitely you're definitely um, are right to have thought that. It's it's a manufactured world. There's nothing natural looking in it. No, no, no. That's what I was trying to trying to go for but like we, we've been saying it, it's a lot of fun and again i was just you know just some of those sequences you know of of sark in his i guess master control center with the big screens and everything i just looked at and I'm like you know i could freeze frame this and look at it for a good five minutes it's just so it's such visually a f- pleasing exactly it's just such a fun movie to look at yeah, and you know, look around and you'll spot little things like Pac-Man. 
on right. some of the screens. You know, right. it, it's all it's all they were having fun making it, you know, and hoping people would have fun watching it. And I did. Awesome. And this um, is the first time you've probably seen it in at least 20 years, probably since I got the DVD in like 2002 or so. You know, not, not and even then, it, maybe not. It, it probably has been a good 20 years since I've yeah. watched the movie. Yeah, I, I would guess no more than five for me. Uh, well, probably at least whenever Tron Legacy came out, which I think Tron, is like 10 years ago. Or I think that 10 or 12 years ago. I yeah, think Tron so. Legacy came out in 2010. I, I feel like I've seen it at least once since then. But yeah. yeah. And again, you know, Disney Plus is, is inexpensive enough. And as we looked on Amazon, you can get the there's a Blu-ray on Amazon for seven bucks. So. You can get you can get Disney Prime for I think you can get Disney Prime for about seven or eight bucks a month, and then or you can, you know, get the D, the Blu-ray if you if you want to keep it forever. You know, I forget how much it is, but it's it's pretty cheap if you play if you pay for it yearly, which it's totally worth doing if you're thinking to have it for a year. Yeah, and then there's the bundles, but we're not here to show for Disney Plus no, or Disney or anyone at all. in particular. They, yeah, they got plenty of. <laughs> They, well, they Disney could use the yeah, yeah. Dis, have you heard of Disney? Let me <laughs> yeah. let me tell you about Disney. They right. own half of everything. Right. They could they could use some of that um, Lucas Arts money back. I guess I don't know. Yeah. They want to crowd fund crowd fund whatever the next studio it is that they acquire. That would be interesting, you know, crossover of Disney and Tron. I mean, I, I would totally watch it. Um, I would totally watch it. See, you know, some X wings blasting down those um, those space paranoid ships. I would totally watch it. I mean, they've established. I mean, they own the MCU as well, and they've established a multiverse in it. So, as far as I'm concerned, game on. I mean, we've seen. Uh, I mean, we could spend days with all the the random um, crossover comics you've read, just because the company happened to own the license for that particular brand, and it's like, you know what? Screw it. Maybe Captain America should fight like Destro or something. Well, but you know, now that I think of it, you know, blending. If Disney really wants to try to do something with Tron, maybe blending it in with Marvel, having a crossover with the Marvel characters that could fit. But, you know. Uh, when when uh, Ant Man shrinks, I was just going to say yes into the quantum world. Maybe he he ends up in the world of Tron. Why not? That could totally work. I would I absolutely would totally love watch, that. Watch Paul Rudd and Jeff Bridges running around inside a computer program world. Paul Rudd and Jeff, that would be amazing. That would be oh a hell lot yeah, uh, hell yeah. I would I would watch. I would I would pay for a ticket now. Uh, Disney, get on that. I'm sure let's, Disney listens to us. Yeah, sure. Let's write that movie. We'll pitch it to them. Uh, um, as far as this movie goes, you got anything else to say? No, man. Um, no, like it's a, it's a movie. It's a very nostalgic movie for me. It's not a perfect movie, um, but uh, it's 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 definitely one that has been formative for me. And again, it's 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 as responsible as as a, a few other things in my childhood for pretty much who I am, especially the career I have. And certainly my hobbies. Um, I didn't pick, I didn't give my Whip Missile Award winner, who is, in fact, uh, Barnard Hughes. I was going to guess. Yeah, I was going to guess. Um, mostly his beginning scene, too. Where he's just, you know, he's, he's just playing that little 
kooky, absent-minded, professor-style character. Right. I went with uh, David Warner just because, you know, Sark is, he's a good villain. And yeah. he, even, oh. when, even, even when he's being um, Dillinger, which you don't really see a ton of him as Dillinger, but just even the few scenes that he has, like he, he's, he plays perfect smarm. In, in my mind, I kept seeing him because he could almost have played Ronnie Cox's character in RoboCop. For real, yeah. yeah I, I almost exactly. see like RoboCop busting in at the end and throwing him out a window. Yes. That would have been a hell of a way to end the movie. <laughs> he just gets gunned down like the, uh, like the guy in RoboCop. Or yeah, out just out of nowhere, RoboCop comes in and like, what? RoboCop? It's like, ah, it's like damn, Disney, I know you can be dark sometimes, but or at least this guy it was the guy who deserved it and not some like, you know, poor kid's dad or something, which is usually how they do these. Disney can be mean, man. Um, so as far as other recommendations, what do you got? Um, boy, uh, for this, really almost any sci-fi. I mean, I, th- I think the recommendations kind of speak for itself. I mean, you, you know what they were trying to do with this movie. Yeah, but you don't got anything specific. Not really. I'm always bad with these anyway. They always come. I mean, I don't know. What, what is this like the 70th episode or something we've doing? And the, and the recommendations always come as a surprise. I forget about them every single time. I mean, in many ways, this goes into um, fantasy adventure. Like, and and I made the the comment in the similarity to Lady Hawk, and at least where our main character, the character we're following is along in the adventure of the hero who the is, titular character, is, yeah. is Rutger Hauer and sure. in here it's Box, Bruce Boxleitner as Tron um, and you know just because of uh, Jeff Bridges and I have been calling him Jeff Bridges I wasn't calling him Jeff Daniels through the movie was I? Uh, not that I remember <laughs> no. um Dreamscape. I don't oh, know wow. if the folks out there. I and it's nothing like this movie. Jeff Bridges. I was gonna say, wait a minute. Play a similar character, but for whatever reason, it just comes to mind. I'm throwing it out there as a recommendation. <laughs> and you know what? Bone Tomahawk and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Well, right. Texas just, just Jeff Bridges basket. movies. Yeah. Just watch Jeff Bridges movies. I mean, watch The Big Lebowski. It's a great movie. Oh, could you imagine the dude? There's another great crossover, Tron and the dude. Oh, yeah, okay. I'd like to see how that would work, but I'd watch it. I'd, I would pay money to see it. All right, well, I guess all that leaves now, unless you got anything else, is uh, I got to make the connection to the Magnificent Seven. No, and but I, um, yeah, I, I don't know for sure how you're going to do this, um, but I'm, I am assuming it's not going to go through Jeff Bridges, because that would be too easy. No. And I believe you've uh, probably used them before. I'm sure. Well, uh, whatever. Hold on have we done a Jeff Bridges movie? Oh boy, ah, uh, you're asking the wrong person. Have. But I don't think we have. Yeah. No, I'm just going to use David Warner. Oh, right on. David Warner was in Iron Cross with James Coburn. Done. Oh, done. Nicely done. Look at that. I dropped the mic, but I'd have to drop my phone, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's expensive. We don't have we don't have mic dropping money yet. All right, anything else? No, man, I'm good. Watch right, well, That'll 
wrap up our discussion of Tron. And as always, you can check us out on um, Instagram and Twitter under Movie Matt Sorois, one word, M-O-V-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-I-R-O-I-S. And I'm usually posting on Twitter. Usually there's something to do with the movie or something to do with comic books. Same thing with the Instagram page. And if you look for us on Facebook at the Movie Asylum of Weird, Bad, and Wonderful, uh, you'll find me there. And uh, man, am I talking about some terrible, terrible movies. My most recent review is about Sharkula. Yeah, you get foisted. You get some movies foisted upon you, man. And Sharkula is bad on every single level. Avoid Sharkula, people. Whether you're out swimming, in fact, I was going to say. I mean, if there's an actual like vampire shark, I would say yes. Avoiding is probably a good. You know what? Avoid sharks and vampires individually as well, Uh, unless unless it's in a movie. Because there's some great shark movies and there's some great vampire movies. Sharkula is not one of them. Or like if it's a really nice day and this is your vacation week and you have to spend it this week and you can't take it another day, maybe you risk it. Maybe you risk it. But um, no, it's probably best to avoid. No. Well, with that, I want to thank you for listening as always, and we hope to have you back next time. Thank you, everyone. End of line.